you know, as an artist, you're not going to make any money. So you have to pursue something that will give you a good living. And I kind of disagree with that. You know, I think if, if you're doing what you love and what, as cliche as it is, if you're doing what you love and you're passionate about it and you're working every day at it, that the money will come. So there's really no, no need to bolster yourself with fallback plans if you know what you love and you know you're good at it and just keep working at it. I mean, the people who, all of the artists and musicians that I know who are successful are the ones who didn't stop, who didn't give up and who kept doing it. We get married, have a family I'd like to know you'd stay with me Stick it out through the thick and thin Need our love like oxygen Make it through all the restless nights Never let our love fade out of sight Faithful as the morning light What's mine is yours and yours is mine Mine is yours, yours is mine Ooh, good things come to those who wait Ooh, with your love don't hesitate Ooh, go so close to there's no line Mine is yours and yours is mine Mine is yours, yours is mine I'm Dave Buda and this is Darken the Page The podcast where I talk to writers and songwriters About where great art comes from Today I'm talking with two dear friends Chris Hawks and Miranda Don Of the duo Don and Hawks whose song you just heard playing during the intro. Chris and Miranda came together in 2010, both romantically and musically, and have launched a beautiful career together that's taken them around the world on the TV show The Voice, and I just adore their music and who they are together. What I appreciate most about this conversation that you're about to hear is the depth, and in particular, how Chris and Miranda experience their muse, how they find it, and what they do when it's not present. Throughout the interview, I'll be sprinkling in their songs, and at the end, I'm going to play one of the songs we talked about in the interview that Miranda wrote called Almost Mine. And trust me, by the end of the interview, you'll want to hear it, so make sure you stick around. I'll run the song in its entirety after the outro. Today's show is sponsored by another podcast. What? Let me tell you about that. So... I was on iTunes browsing through and I saw this podcast called Right Now with Sarah Werner and Right spelled W-R-I-T-E. And I noticed that it was on listeners also subscribed to when you went to the Dark on the Page podcast in iTunes. And I checked it out and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Sarah is just a, just a wonderful host and she gives just the sweetest advice and I I've listened to a bunch of episodes, so I contacted her, and I said, hey, Sarah, instead of having sponsors, since we're both kind of small podcasts, instead of having sponsors, um, why don't we sponsor each other for a month, and we'll talk about each other's show, and then um, that will be, we'll trade that, and she said, that sounds like a great idea, 
And we ended up actually uh, having a conversation that I recorded and made her, um, she's episode 43. So if you have not listened to that, um, definitely check that one out. But she has her own podcast um, and she offers just little kind of segments. They're about 20 minutes long and she offers just bits of wisdom um, to help writers uh, find the time, find the courage. Um, And I just, there's one particular that I loved recently, uh, episode 22. Uh, was called uh, Was I Meant to Be a Writer? And she answers a question from one of her listeners. And um, I just I just found it really useful for myself. And I just, she has a, such a down-to-earth way of talking about writing. And she's very humble. And I just really appreciate that. I enjoyed our conversation um, on, on my show. And I think you'll enjoy her show too as well. So you can search Write Now, W-R-I-T-E, uh, on iTunes. Or you can go to her website, which is sarahwerner.com. Or you can go to the show notes for this episode, and I'll be including her info and how to find her in the show notes. Here is my interview with Don and Hawks. Knowing that songwriting and and the creative process is an important part of what you guys do. Um, do you schedule it? Do you take time aside? Do you find that you're just naturally excited enough to do it? And is that different for either one of you or do you write together a lot? I mean, tell me about that. It is always different. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of always on the search for it. If that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. I'm driving down the highway. Just, I always have like a radar turned on listening for, for the new song coming in Mm -hmm. and, Sometimes I get a really direct signal with no static and it comes straight through. And other times it's like I'm searching through channels and channels and nothing's coming through. Mm -hmm. So I don't normally sit down and schedule anything. I just kind of look for those quiet moments Mm -hmm. and relish in them, whether it's like in the shower or driving or, uh, you know, on a walk by myself. It's mostly just those quiet moments. I did uh, in July for the first time set aside the time to do as many co-writes as possible. Mm-hmm. And I did those in Austin and in Nashville. And um, I just made that my goal for the month to embrace any and every possible co-write, even with people who've never written a song before. You know, I was open to all all of the uh, the entire spectrum of, of writing with just another human being and mm-hmm. producing something out of that. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was a really wonderful, I felt like, creative month. The, each song was totally different. It was interesting to see all the different themes that came up. And I, if, I felt like it kind of opened up a, a wellspring of, of new mm-hmm. material that mm-hmm. could come out of me in those quiet moments by myself also. Mm. I love that. You know, one of, the, one of my favorite conversations when it comes to the creative process is what you just said is like, how do you experience the magic or how do you experience this flow or whatever people want to call it? Um, and so I love what you said there, you know, about like relishing the quiet moments and then and almost feeling like you're, you're tuning into a, to a radio station or something. And sometimes it's like, Oh, I'm probably like a couple degrees off and it's like yeah. coming in staticky, but sometimes it's like, Whoa, you know, yeah. you just like, bam. Um, how do you experience that, Chris? How would you describe like your relationship to, let's just call it the muse, some people say, you know? No, I, I, f- I feel like Miranda and I both have these running 
um, like these running relationships with creativity. For her, it's a very like passionate relationship out of a French foreign film, and for and I have like this. Um, it's always it's always there. Like there's always some all the different things that I like to do. Um, even even going around the house and, and like sometimes just the one thing I'll do when we get home from tours, I'll go around the house and find things to fix. And it always feels like a creative process for me figuring out which tool is the best tool to use to. Mm this thing or whatever but um and then uh, like earlier today i was working on our um some designs for uh, like some t-shirts or, or things like that so i'll do like uh, you know artwork and I, that kind of stuff or I'll, I'll do um like i was doing some she was talking about uh my friend jeff we went and recorded and produced jeff's record and i'm now i'm kind of mixing and and that process feels really creative and expressive mm-hmm. too so there's all those that are kind of a regular thing then every once in a while, um, like what you're talking about, like retuning into this special station, mm-hmm. and it feels like that. It feels like that, you know, the 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 night the night of the week, your one night of the week to watch your favorite program or listen to your favorite radio thing, or you know, your or catch catch your favorite uh, performance, and and um, at the same time, it it has that excitement, like that, like something you look forward to, and like you you get all prepared for it also feels like comfortable like a a friend that you can not talk to for a couple of months and then you talk and catch up and it's like nothing is lost you know Mm. you guys are still super tight and like you know you love each other wish you could live in the same town and see each other every day all the time but sometimes that big surge of creativity that's just intoxicating and you write a bunch of songs, like the songwriting retreat that you had in San Diego was one of those mm-hmm. where we got to hang out. It's like we got a, 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 a three-day bender with our best friend or something, yeah. Yeah. and we got to spend a full you know, 10 hours just writing and blocking yeah. out all outside noise. That was fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think we have different, simil- like, similar but different yeah. sort of relationships. Yeah, I mean, I remember the, the first muse. time we wrote together – I mean, it wasn't even like intentionally a co-write. We were working on, he was going to record a song that I had written previously but had never recorded. And he was like looking through the lyrics and was like, you know, what if you change this lyric a little bit or if you took out this verse? And it was exactly what I had always intuitively felt Mm -hmm. needed to change in the song but wasn't quite sure what would go in its place or how I would do that. And it, just in that moment where he said, you know, suggested those few little changes, I knew he had his radio dial tuned in to the same station mm-hmm. as me. And then I thought it was like, okay, maybe it was just a fluke, maybe it just happened once, and it continued to happen. And that's been the best part, I think, of writing together is that we both can just dial in. Mm-hmm. It's like we're fans of the same band, but yeah. we have a different favorite album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you said once, Miranda, we were actually talking about, um, I had just done the animal communication thing and we were talking about, so cool. uh, you know, psychic communication and telepathy. And you, you had said something really interesting, which was that, um, how that's one of the ways you experience, um, songwriting is when you're and I think one of the things that I think I want to say about songwriting, cause I didn't really understand this and or co-writing until I started co-writing is this idea that it's, I think it's, it often works well, at least for me, when sort of one person's coming with like a chunk of an idea and the other person's kind of like their assist, like the, is helping like birth that. It's like a midwife yeah, process. Midwife. So just, t- yeah, tell me, tell me more about that. Cause it was so cool. You said that it, it's kind of like, 
you get to be inside their head and almost like think the thoughts with them because yeah. you're so tuned in. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know this by any definitive means, but just in my experience, it seems like there are common themes running through everyone's lives at the same time. And we're not always tapped into seeing them and hearing them unless you like find that quiet space to share. Mm -hmm. And um, normally like in a co-write, I find that just in normal conversation when we're not even focusing on writing, but we're having a genuine connection and we're sharing our stories or our lives with each other that we find, I find the common theme for what's coming up in their life and also in mine and also in like five other people that I've recently talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that commonality that for me sparks a song. Mm-hmm. It's like a big Venn diagram, mm-hmm. like two circles overlapping and what happens in the middle is the peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And for you guys, there's there's a lot of overlap since you, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of peanut butter and jelly. There's, a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> there's, there's bananas in our peanut butter. Oh, God. <laughs> who would be the peanut butter and who would be the jelly? Do you think? Oh, it depends on depends on when you catch us. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Life's like riding the perfect song. It starts off humming to your singing strong. You keep on strumming. To your said and done If it's a good one Play it even when you're gone Life is um. good so, all right, another thing, actually, I have like a million ideas that I want to talk about, but one of them that's very, very important is um, how good you are at leaving voicemails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, it's not, it's the, uh, the profundity of, of this has not passed me by over the years because, you know, there is such a wisdom in not trying and going for it and making shit up. Um, and I also know that, that you guys actually did follow through with at least one song, right? With about the one about Luke. Um, yeah. And and I always think to myself, like, this is kind of brilliant. Why aren't musicians leaving more voicemails? Which is why I changed my voicemail to say, sing a song for me. And people wow. do. And it's awesome. And someday yeah. I'm going to make a compilation of all those. Because I save them. But um, yeah, tell me about this because like you're, it's amazing. And yeah, I just want to talk about voicemails for a second. And I think maybe started with Chris, but I don't know, Miranda, I'm sure you. That's mostly Chris Hawks. That's mostly, (laughs) yeah. Definitely an integral ingredient to arriving at that voice, voicemail, like. Like if you stopped, if you, if one day, like if I hadn't heard like a singing voicemail from you in like a year, I would be very concerned. (laughs) I would be like. I'd be like someone we need to like get, you know, get over to see Chris immediately. Something's clearly the matter, the wrong. Luke, Luke Wade had the best collection going for a while. I'm not sure. If yeah. He, he had like it. a full album of your voicemails. That was impressive. Well, there was something, there was something I found a challenge to like find a new instrument every time. Yes. And then I started <laughs> running out of actual instruments and started using inanimate objects, just random objects to yeah different ways. I go come up with different characters and sing a, sing a song in a character voice and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the character was like determined to make each one different. Yeah, and then we then one time we did the sort of the call the uh, the responding to each other, oh, and we actually made a there's a YouTube video of that I think at some point. There is, but um, it, it's that whole working under pressure thing that you were talking about. You know, the thing goes beep, and then it's like you're on, and yeah. there's a do over. And I yeah, but at the same time, no pressure too, because it's a voicemail. But that's right. because you embrace it. 
Most yeah. people would break character and laugh at themselves in the middle of it. But, you know, you're like a, those comedians that, what is it called, where they just play off of each other. Improv. Improv, yeah. Improv, yeah. there you yeah. go. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's very in the moment. You know, it's funny because now that I've had this voicemail, probably for like three years, um, and I get, I'm seeing the trends. A lot of people that are that are not musicians, the, the first thing they'll say is they'll go, oh, you don't want me to sing. And then, they, and, then, and then they may or may not sing something. And some people just kind of pick a random song and sing that they're just like, like fly me to the moon. And that, like, it's just, and I, cause I don't, they interpret that as just sing a song. Right. I mean, obviously I'm hoping them to oh, sing God. their voicemail, kind of like a singing telegram or something. Um, and then, and then, and then on the other end of the spectrum is, is Chris who like gears up, <laughs> you know, he's like, gets the instruments, like tunes the yeah. guitar and he's like, all right. Side of the road. <laughs> oh. Like, oh yeah. He gets serious about it. It's, it's mean, a recording. You don't want to waste it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it, it could be there forever. Um, but tell the story about how you made, uh, the voicemail for Luke and that became a song and then actually got you on a bus to go cool places and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I think that just started same same sort of deal. Always leaving Luke um, musical voicemails, and this one for some reason we were in uh, we were in the snow cone stand. Miranda's uh, family runs snow cone stand. She started that as a small business when she was in business school, and oh, cool. she was helping them out one weekend. I think she was running the snow cone stand or something. They had some girls that quit or something, and I was <laughs> just. What? No, I, no one quit. I was no just working quit? it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a tough right. business, man. Snow cones, you can get burnt out. They're like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I can't, so can't shovel more snow. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I'm just making stuff up. So anyway, we rode a dragon to the uh, snow cone stand. And uh, <laughs> after we got there and took off all of our all of our night gear and stuff, we um no, we yeah. started just leaving this voicemail for Luke. And then... Uh, Can you recreate point, it real quick? Yeah, Miranda was there. Was it? Was there any was, instruments? So we started writing verses. There's always a little guitar in the snow cone stand, you know, because, oh. you know, my dad plays also. So when yeah. he's there, I, there, or my sister, like we all play, we'll play guitar in between snow cone customers. Yeah. So Chris, of course, walks into the snow cone stand and immediately grabs the guitar and was leaving Luke a voicemail. And I was, it was really good, you know, like he was being silly, but I was like, no, keep singing. That's great. Keep going. Can you grab a guitar and recreate that moment? <laughs> I'm sure you have one within yeah, uh, a grasp of something. Oh, it's over there. Okay. Yeah, and it was, it's great. And, uh, and it is an awesome song and, and, and he didn't, didn't, wasn't planning it. He just came up with it, you know, right? Yep. Pretty much just like this. They always end up with some sort of like, uh, hey, uh, Bungalow Bill kind of sound. <laughs> I was probably just doing something like this, and I was, and I just start saying his name, and that's how it started. Luke Wade. Luke Wade. When, when are you coming to Austin? To Austin. Oh, Luke Wade. When are you coming? Because we're waiting on you. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> and then Miranda, Miranda started coming up with like, she was like, what's funny about Luke Wade? Like his, that we said, cut off your skinny blue jeans. His skinny jeans, yeah. <laughs> Going to swim at Barton Springs. Back and, then, Luke Wade was always wearing skinny jeans. He I feel like, like they've gotten skinnier, cool actually. So I feel like they've gotten skinnier. So. <laughs> his jeans have. <laughs> 
Um, well, they made their way into the song. <laughs> so one of the things I think of just, uh, you know, as a musician, when I think of these voicemails and why sometimes why they work so well is that I know for me, I like to make things really complicated or it's like somehow satisfying if I'm using like complicated chords. And when I'm doing a voicemail, I just default to something that's fun and easy and, you know, simple, right? Like what you did right there is just like it's you didn't that took you you know, 0.2 seconds to prepare for it because that chord progression is just something you've been playing for years through other people's songs or whatever. And so there's something kind of brilliant about these voicemails because we don't overcomplicate it. We just use a fun old chord compression. We don't go, oh, well, that's a, you know, GCD. Yeah. I don't want to do that. You know, we actually just like let ourselves be simple and then go and sing something fun. Yep. Yeah. Give yourself permission to try anything. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want. I don't want to talk too much more about voicemails because I don't want to make it. I don't want to turn it into a thing where now you you like second guess yourself. It's so natural and wonderful, um, but it, it is uh, it is brilliant. I actually oh that you'll love this. So I you know I used to um, coach men and help them with their dating and stuff like that. And one guy asked me once. He said, um, "I I leave the most awkward voicemails. I don't know how. Like I, I'm terrible at it, and I need I need to figure it out." I said. Okay, I have some advice for you, and this will work, but only if you really do it. I said, if you sing your voicemails, you'll ne- <laughs> it'll never be. You'll you'll ne- you'll always get people to call you back. It'll it'll work every time, and uh, and he did, and it actually Good worked. Advice. Right, because when you sing it, it's like you're just kind of embracing the awkwardness of it and going right into it, and you're like, totally. let's do this. I would and absolutely call anybody back who sang me a voicemail. You're so right. Exactly. Yes. Even again, especially if it was terrible. I mean, that's just something yeah. so. Sweet and endearing. Did I leave you? Did I leave you <laughs> singing voicemails in the beginning? Baby, you've left me lots of singing voicemails. <laughs> no, I meant like in the beginning. In the no, beginning. but you know, Chris wouldn't. Uh, he was not a text messenger when we first met. He was the only person I think that I had ever text messaged to. Just immediately would call me anytime I text messaged him. Nice. Like he nice. preferred that in the moment conversation instead of the think for a few seconds about what you're going to text first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I always just feels awkward whenever, like, ever, the, the, I mean, they make whole segments on TV shows about people's dating texts and how awkward they are. Like, doesn't Aziz Ansari have a whole, yes. a whole bit about text messaging, like, at the beginning yeah. of a relationship? It's so hard to communicate via text. Well, you like got to go with your strengths, you know. If you're if you're an in the moment talker, you know, you, you call pick up, up if, that phone. If you're a writer, I mean, I I think in some ways, you know, I'm a I have um, when I'm writing when when people are um, getting to know me through writing, I have an, somewhat of an advantage. Now, I mean, I, I think I'm decent in person too, but you know, it's <laughs> like I actually, you know, I find like let's say if I'm on Craigslist, I was talking about this with a friend of mine, Obi. Um, who's also a writer and he was looking for an apartment in Venice, California. And he was saying how he felt like he actually had a distinct advantage over everybody else that was going for these apartments because he would write in and it was like a roommate thing. So like he was saying, Hey, here's who I am. This is what I'm about. And yeah. his writing is so good. and so personal that like you mm-hmm. just fall in love with them. Every he's yeah. just, and, and other people that aren't as good a writer, they might be a wonderful people, but they can't <laughs> express themselves and they wouldn't yeah. get the gig as much, you know? So it's interesting um, how we can come across in different mediums and be good. And, but it doesn't necessarily re- re- reflect who we are. It just reflects how good we are in that medium. Right. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. That's very true. Life is a good song written verse by verse. It's never finished and never rehearsed. 
Sometimes you got everyone singing along. Other times you're the only voice wondering if you got the words wrong. So I got an email a few days ago from a guy who listens to the show, and he was like, man, you know, I'm struggling as a writer right now, and I hear a lot of your guests, and a lot of them just, it seems so easy for them. It's like they just sit down, and they just, like, they seem so prolific, and whether they just, they go, oh, I just sit down and write, and it's great. And um, <laughs> and so I said, okay, man, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to ask the guests, ask the guests more about um, their challenges and, like, what, what they struggle with and how they overcome that. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious from you and Chris, um, you know, like what, um, what are those moments like when you're feeling blocked and do you have any ways that you deal with that or things that you do to help you overcome any kind of, uh, creative blocks? Yeah. Um, I tried to, to be as honest as possible because songwriting kind of creates a, a sense of re- release and, mm-hmm. and relief at the same time for me. So that I don't get that sense unless I am completely honest and and go for the heart of the matter and just say what's hard to say and say what needs to get out if that makes sense. And so, mm-hmm. um, I I'll just do free flow writing. Like I'll I'll sit down with a journal and I'll just write for five ten minutes, sometimes an hour even. Like mm-hmm. I will just write, write and write. I won't censor myself, and I try not to have thoughts of like, oh my gosh, what if one day somebody reads this? Or you know, I try to just clear that out of my head entirely and mm-hmm. sometimes it's run on sentences sometimes it's just words um and I, d- I don't let my internal editor come out during that time for mm-hmm. me that's sort of a purging moment where all the words just come out mm-hmm. and then later maybe the same day maybe a week later maybe years later I'll come back to the words and I'll let a melody find the words that strike me most at that mm-hmm. time and when you're journaling are you, are you writing in like are you just writing sentences? You're not writing in like lyrics or stanzas or anything. It's just, just I let writing. it come out different every time. I yeah. compl- I give myself no rules at all because if I give myself even one rule, then that's the editor being invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I love that. What, what about, about you, Chris? Yeah. I think for me, it um, so it sounds like Miranda connects with the word, the writing aspect of. For me, it's the music that pulls me back in. So I'll, you know, uh, just try to spend time with the guitar. You know, just try to spend quality time with it, like it's a relative or something. Sometimes you just have to sit there on the couch and let it fall asleep to the football game. So I just, I'll like, I'll just, um, just spending time with it and, and working through stuff, and then every once in a while. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get the energy to try to. It's almost like trying to elevate. It sounds really. It sounds kind of you know, kind of spiritual, but try to elevate above the process and into something else. Uh, like literally try try to sort of lift yourself up above it, like um, to connect with um, the thing, your identity, uh, what makes you different than you know uh, every other uh, living human. You know, your 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 person. Your you try to elevate that let that float up above the process mm-hmm. and um and sometimes it works yeah it doesn't always it, it like sometimes you just say stuff and you're like oh man and it, and you feel foolish you know you feel like a, a, a like um it feels really awkward or and you're so glad someone's not watching yeah <laughs> but but uh sometimes you you connect and and you find a melody that uh that you haven't heard yourself sing before but it feels like it's familiar 
like it's a familiar something you've smelled before almost yeah. mm-hmm. or something like I know what this is like what in it but it's also exciting and, and fresh and so sometimes you land that um, and really all you have to do is have that happen one time to try it every time yeah mm-hmm. you're totally right I'm so from the music because sometimes the music writes the song sometimes the words write the song yeah totally so hearing you say that um for the longest time I've set up a video camera in front of myself when I'm songwriting and mm. that's the most helpful thing um I used to do it in the very beginning because I wasn't a very good guitar player, and so I would want to videotape my hands so that I could remember what I played and oh, go. Oh, nice! Yeah. But but actually, yeah. what ended up happening was that I would allow myself to free flow songs like uh, like lyrics or melodies mm-hmm. on top of whatever I was playing on guitar, mm-hmm. and I knew that because it was being videotaped. I didn't have to think very hard about what I was singing because I could always go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. So I would just sing whatever makeup lyrics, whatever came out of my mouth while I was playing chords and sort of let myself feel those chords, you know, like the emotion mm-hmm. of the of the chords or the or the the notes. And then I'd go back on the video camera and I would listen and I would take a pen out and I would write down all of the words totally like made up lyrics that I had whatever mm-hmm. spit out at the moment. I'd write them down and see if something struck me, if there was something in there. And just like Chris said, like there's, you'll find a moment. It's like you know, sifting for gold. Mm-hmm. But you'll find a moment that, that strikes you in some way, where you feel something, where suddenly you have a memory or an emotion or a feeling or a full painting that pops up in your head. And that's what I would go back to and be like, all right. So then that, that's just being brave and not scared to explore that emotion or that feeling and to just dive into it. Um, I've, at least I've found that when I'm brave enough to dive into it and to get really honest about why I felt emotional in that moment, that's when the song connects with other people. Yeah. That's, so those are sort of like autonomous processes, like if you're writing on your own without the help of you know, someone else or collaborating or something like that, which I, I think you get, you tap into a different thing. Um, it's almost kind of like, uh, like how, you know, if you're scared of the dark or you have some sort of weird, like a, a, a spiritual feeling when you walk in a room all by yourself, but then the moment you go in with another person, you feel totally different. You might not even be, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. I feel like it, it's scarier uh, to do it on your own, but the reward uh, sometimes for trying to do it on your own is different too. Mm-hmm. And it's worth, it's worth doing that. So, I mean, you know, I think a really obvious thing that in the past, like I guess maybe a decade or something like that, so that the the when people ask about songwriting and and how to get going, I would say like if you're really hitting a hard hard place, the most obvious thing is to try co-writing because that just loosens it all up. That's the equivalent of if you're scared to go into a place by yourself, take someone with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there is a reward to facing your fear on your own and it could potentially yield something that's just very, you know, it's really expressive and it lets the world see who you are um, and, mm-hmm. um, or, or at least who you are in that moment, who you were, who you, um, who you can be. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the other one is, uh, and this this might be a little bit more like it too. Sometimes you know, let's imagine. But I like the I like this metaphor. Walking into a dark room. Like sometimes when you walk into a, a scary situation, you think about like what would the toughest person that I know do right now? Like what would my you know my uncle, my you know ex ex military uncle, how would he handle this situation right now? 
And it's kind of the same sort of thing. If you listen to, you can listen to uh, inspiring music and get that same sort of, I think, get that same sort of like, what would, what would uh, you know, Paul McCartney, John Lennon do right now? You know, what would totally. like, what what's something you can? And and the other thing is, is like, you know, um, just uh, if you're if you're lacking inspiration, maybe try to look up new music. Totally. Look up an artist. That always taps me in. Oh learning, God, learning yeah. a few new songs that, that really me inspired me. That gets me fired up. It's like it's, if my hands are moving over the the new song and my voice is singing it, it like it just puts me in a different place. I find that within a week I've got a new song, and it's not. It'll sound nothing like the one that I was working on. It's just like it got me to a new place. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how different. New. It's crazy how different those six strings can feel on a different song. Yeah. Like it just feels like a whole new, like a brand new path, someplace you've never been. Mm-hmm. It's like wearing a new outfit on a date. You're like, ah. Oh, it's a whole new date. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it feel like nobody else might notice, but it feels different. Like yeah. it's you yeah. feel different, which is great. Definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. funny thing about like a date too. You can treat it like that. Yeah. You can get all get all your restring your guitar, listen to a bunch of really good music, make yourself a good little dinner. No pressure, no pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, hey, absolutely. Actually, no pressure. You're better. You're gonna get a better result if there is no pressure. I'm putting on some seventh chords today. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be a good night. It's <laughs> funny. It's him, Major Seventh. Oh God! <laughs> Just press a little behind my ear and see what happens. You know that feeling, good as it gets, like the stars align down. You just rode ahead. Hear the choir singing, voices leading the way. Um, so okay, so I, I'd love you to uh, just pick a any song from the new album and maybe tell me how it got made. Any anyone that had a particularly interesting um, process. I think we should talk about yeah, the two songs too. from yes, San yeah. Diego. I was gonna say the same. Yeah. Thing. Okay. So we have our two songs, probably the two most melancholy songs, which don't reflect the environment we wrote them in, um, are uh, songs that we wrote individually, um, which are unique to that record because most of the songs on there are co-writes between each other. Um, so you but, were apart and you were sad. That makes you know, it's cool. <laughs> missing each other or something. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I think those just ended up being our most compelling songs of these 10 songs we wrote during your uh, songwriting workshop you had in San Diego. Yeah. Um, so I want to pause and ask about that because, you know, yeah. in a sense, like what we were just talking about is this idea when you're alone, you yeah. can go into a different space. And, and I don't know that it's a trend necessarily, but maybe it's easier to go into a um, more sadness or melancholy space when you're alone and when you're together, you kind of want to just like focus on like awesome good times. Maybe I don't know. It's interesting. I, I don't know. I, we have some maybe. we have some sad material together. Together, yeah. 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 Um, um. Anyways, but yeah. Maybe. So so yeah, I'll, I'll set up the I'll set up the 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 so people understand what we're talking okay, about yeah, here. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's like we did uh, something called the songwriter lock in where we basically spent. I think it was like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and we all wrote 10 songs except for Miranda. She wrote 12 because she's wonderful. So, um, yeah, so you wrote these songs during during the time when you only had really a half an hour, 45 minutes to write a song, right? It wasn't like you had all day to write it. You had to write it and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. You can pick up the story from there. So Miranda was um, 
you know, she has this relationship, this spiritual relationship with the muse, like a, like a, like a French porn film. And so she mm-hmm. was trying to find a quiet place where she could have an intimate conversation. So she was moving from corner to the to another. Like a completely crazy person. <laughs> I saw her walking <laughs> the halls with my guitar, down the hall. searching for a quiet spot. And everyone was like jamming out with their guitars. And I was like, that's awesome, but I cannot write next to you jamming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She ended up. You ended up in the bathroom, right? That's yeah, there was you... a single. Oh, nice. bathroom where I just locked myself in there for the day. Thank God it was clean. Yeah. But yeah, that was where I ended up being able to get really quiet and uh, and write some songs. But before that, while I was searching for a spot, I even went outside <laughs> to look for a spot and, and I like, walked across the saw street. This. Chris was like on the second floor looking out the window. Yeah, that's right. You're in the window. The chaos. Like he loved the sounds of everyone around. There would be an airplane that would go by every 15 minutes and he'd be like, all right, new song. (laughs) Totally embraced it. And I was the opposite, I guess. And so, yeah, you can pick up the story. Yeah, this is the funniest thing. I'd already seen her walk down the hallway. I'd seen her try to sit in the corner. She came out to where I was and kind of looked at me like, (laughs) and then kept walking. I was like, the poor girl. Trying to find her, like trying to find her spot, and so at one point I was working on a song, looking out the window, and you know um, where we were in San Diego. It's near the airport, which is I guess downtown, right? And yeah. um, so every time a plane would go over, I would start over, new idea, you know, and oh, kept wow. me moving. And at some point, um, I looked down, and I had been seeing this van parked across the street that sort of looked like halfway between the A Team van and sort of a creepy van. Uh-huh. And at one point, and I thought, I was like, well, that's kind of a creepy looking van. And then at one point I saw Miranda cross the street. She <laughs> left the building and she crossed the street and walked behind the van, like where you couldn't see her. And I was like, no, Miranda, don't go behind the van. <laughs> don't do it. But I, right. I was saying this right as an airplane was going over. So it was like a scene from a movie where you hear the, just, just, you see me airplane. mouthing the words, no, Miranda, go behind the creepy van. <laughs> Here. It was pretty funny, but um, that's what inspired. So I started writing a, a, a song from the perspective of whom I own that van, and and that was the song that um, of mine that we ended up adding to the record. And but, I mean, we, spoiler alert: the van was not creepy. They totally like pulled out of the driveway, and everything mm-hmm. was fine. Mm-hmm. No one was hurt in the making of the song. <laughs> right. They turned the ice cream truck music back on. And no. Pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but and, I guess started writing this song while while that all happened you know that's our song uh, uh on the on the record never feel alone um mm-hmm. and so it's a, i guess it's like trying to you know sort of see it from a it's always interesting to know someone's story gives you a different perspective and it was trying to get that different perspective and write a write a song from the perspective of that person because he was yeah. imagining like a, a kind of like loner guy who just drives up highway one in his van and never feels alone because he doesn't meet a stranger anywhere he goes you know he's just like on the road open to whatever he's experiencing mm-hmm. maybe, no were you able to tap into maybe your inner van creepy van dude maybe <laughs> every guy's got an inner <laughs> everybody yeah. sees that van is like man what i could do with that van man that's a great that's a it's awesome uh what about you miranda what, where did your song uh emerge with like like did you spend the whole day in the bathroom, pretty much? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually know that. That's funny. I didn't. Maybe you said uh, no, that. I, I forgot. I wrote, I started a song in there, the first one, because I had like, I think I tried out 12 different places and got nothing. And mm-hmm. then finally went to that 
single bathroom and um, a song started and I was like, that's cool. I can work with that. So then I tried yeah. to go out to the hallway and finish it and it wouldn't finish. So I was like, all right, back to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> then you I wrote like out. six songs in there. Just imagine <laughs> what that was like for other people in the hallway. You walk out and go and you try, oh, I'm not finished. Go back in the bathroom. <laughs> Damn it! I can't get it out. Oh, All right. Oh, there were like fifty other bathrooms, and I wasn't like holding someone's spot. All the all the other people in that building were like, "What are these weirdos doing with their guitars in the bathroom?" What, was it were the acoustics better in the bathroom? Because that often happens. I think that's inspiring. Yes. yes, that did help totally. It was just also really quiet. Yeah, yeah. And what was yeah. the song that you wrote? And and did, was it about uh, yourself or somebody else or? Well, it's definitely not about the bathroom. Which is probably yeah. good. Or was it? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. So the first song I wrote was called "Almost Mine," and um, it actually came out of a really strange place. Um, not the bathroom. Yeah. Not the bathroom. No, but it it came out of some stories I had heard and and experiences of. Um, a topic that's rarely talked about, I think, and it's of uh, loss of like an unborn child. So mm. whether that's like a, a miscarriage or an abortion or something like that, for some reason, this was the first song emotion that just came in. And I, it's totally one of those areas like we talked about earlier, earlier, where it can be scary to dive into that subject matter. And mm -hmm. I just went with it. Mm. Um, and sometimes, because I'm not the bravest person, <laughs> sometimes it's like my song writing ego or whatever says, well, even if you're not feeling brave enough to write this, I'm going to like haunt you with this song until you do. Mm -hmm. So the melody just continued in my head. Even when I tried to go back out to the hallway, it was like, you're going to finish me. So, mm -hmm. so I did. So I dove into it and, and kept writing it. And I think I honestly may have proceeded to write 12 songs that day to like run away from ever having to perform this song. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to write something better than this song so that I, I don't have to play this one. And, and it turns out I didn't. That, that first one was still the one. So um, then I played it for Chris and I was like, well, maybe I'll have written enough metaphors and words in here that he'll have no idea what it's about. And that'll get me away from ever having to perform it. Yeah. And he totally got it immediately. So I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and then, then I've performed it at, at several shows now. And it's, it's so interesting to look out in the audience and see someone's eyes and see them get it and, and know mm -hmm. that like you're singing a song that's entirely for someone else to hear in mm -hmm. that moment. So then it's just like, all right, I'm I'm supposed to sing this for other people for some reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still it's been what, two years maybe since um that retreat and I get nervous playing it every single time. It's mm -hmm. like intensely emotional for me. Mm -hmm. But um but I I am very grateful for that workshop because mm -hmm. I probably would not have ever dove into those waters otherwise. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it would have just haunted you for years. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> So yeah. I found another bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you go in a bathroom, you hear this song. You're like, what, yeah. the, what is going on here? Uh, that's funny. That's a beautiful story, Miranda. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you guys the question that I ask all the guests um, at the end of the show. And it's, uh, if you could go back in time and leave yourself a note 
or give yourself a piece of advice. Maybe when you just started this whole music thing, whenever you consider that, you know, maybe it's 10, 15 years ago, I guess. Um, what would you say to yourself? What advice would you give yourself when you started out? Golly, that's such a good, that's a good question. Uh, no, I guess maybe nothing is wasted. I would let myself know that nothing is wasted. Uh, because I, I enjoyed so much of it. I think maybe there was some some measure of a feeling of of being of being uh, feeling guilty, like I was spending too much time on it for a while. Because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm spending too much time on this. And even when I was in art school, I had an art professor, so I I studied art um, in addition to uh, playing music, and and that that being my passion, I studied art, and and I've always done art and enjoyed it thoroughly, but. I went to art school uh, because that's what made the most sense practically over uh, music school. Mm-hmm. It just seemed to follow more of a mon- like a, a path that would easily monetize, you know, uh, doing doing graphic design, for instance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think I felt I, I felt degrees of guilt sometimes about uh, music being such a passionate center and art being this like second, you know, the step step brother to the. Music and I even in art school one time I think it was a real realization I had a professor that said can you make a piece that has nothing to do about music that doesn't relate to me because I would always I would do a painting but it would be a painting of like a, a close up image of like a guitar or mm-hmm. a concert or it just always somehow related to music and even when it wasn't like really directly even if it was a non objective piece an abstract piece it still was like this looks like you're inspired by some sort of like musical, <laughs> like it looks like. And um, I think I finally realized, I was like, wow, I can't, I can't get away from it. It's just, it's just, it, it's in every aspect of creation for me is uh, music is at the, it's at the pulse, you know, and everybody's got their different, everybody's got their different taste. Everybody got a different pulse. Mm-hmm. And I would probably tell myself, um, you know, just to embrace it. Don't run from it. Don't feel guilty. Uh, you know, you can't do too much of it, maybe, and that probably would have saved me some some degree of worry and and uh, and and even there's a certain level of defensiveness I think I had as a kid um, about it where I felt like whereas if I didn't feel any guilt or or any shame about it at all, I'd just be kind of like it's what I do. It's mm-hmm. just this, I wouldn't there wouldn't be any reason to be defensive. It's just like yeah, it's what I do. You know, this is my this is, part of my biochemistry. Yeah. Hmm. I can totally touch on that also because I think like, well, what, um, what's yours? Well, it's, it's in line with that entirely. Like, uh, even with your dad being, uh, huh. Because my dad played music professionally growing up. Uh, but he always had a day job also. And so he would play like in the evenings and weekends around Austin, which you can make a, a wonderful living as a mu- musician evenings and weekends in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you, so many, you could, yeah, because there's so many great yeah. bands, yeah, that, that play here at the different venues, and um, you know, so he's a drummer and also a mandolin player. So he, I mean, very very early on, set me down and was like, "You're so smart, you're so intelligent. You know, I want you to go to school and get a, a good education and get your degree and um, play music as as a hobby. Play it because you love it. You don't have to make it a profession." always have something to fall back on you know like he sort of just like set me down and let me know do it for the love of it and if, if it's not for the love of it why else do it you know yeah so I think that was super good advice and I followed it to the T and got you know a degree in business and 
Um, I think I fo- I like overfollowed it though because I was like, music is just my hobby, and I never pursued it professionally, at least not for for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe my advice actually would be to to take myself a little more serious um, and not just push it aside. Like, oh yeah, that's I'm not a professional. I just do this for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's because it wasn't just my dad who told me that it, it ju- that was just like reinforcing what the rest of the community and society around me was telling me, which was that, you know, as an artist, you're not going to make any money. So you have to pursue something that will give you a good living. Um, and I kind of disagree with that. You know, I think if, if you're doing what you love and what, as cliche as it is, if you're doing what you love and you're passionate about it and you're working every day at it, that the money will come. I mean, that you will find those opportunities in some way. So there's really no no need to bolster yourself with fallback plans when, if you know what you love and you know you're good at it and just keep working at it. I mean, the people who, all of the artists and musicians that I know who are successful are the ones who didn't stop, who didn't give up and who kept doing it. And I started at 26 and in a way that's a little bit later than some people did. I wonder sometimes what it would have been like if I had started earlier. You know that feeling good as it gets Like the stars aligned Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed uh, that interview as much as I did. And if you want to check out another episode that I think you would like if you enjoyed this one, go to episode 10, and it's with our mutual friend, uh, Chris Miranda and I, um, and her name is Allie Tadros. Allie is funny, vulnerable, and she has some fascinating stories, including how Tucker Max inspired her music career. Um, Make sure you go to donandhawks.com, and you can do several things there. One of the things you can do is you can pre-order their album, Yours and Mine, which... I, all the songs that I played on the podcast today were from that album. That comes out October 2nd. And so if you're listening to this podcast after October 2nd, it's already out. Hooray. And if it's not, you can pre-order it right now. And you can also find out where um, Chris and Miranda are playing. They tour a lot around the U.S. And so donandhawks.com is where you can do that. And as promised, I'm going to play the song Almost Mine, which is the one we referred to in the episode, in its entirety here after this outro. So stick around for that. Thanks for listening. Again, make sure you check out uh, the Right Now podcast with Sarah Werner. Thank you for sponsoring the show. And until next week, go make great art.
Time. 